Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series of the book of Hebrews with part five of this message entitled, Jesus, Our Brother and Priest. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Hebrews chapter two. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to know whose family we belong. Help us, above all, this day to make certain that we have been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. Help us, by the aid of your Spirit, to ensure that we belong to the family of Jesus, that we have eternal life, that we belong to those many sons you are bringing to glory. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There are only two families in the world. You must make sure that you belong to the right family. So I want to speak to you from this passage that is read to you. It is speaking about the gospel, the good news. That Jesus is our brother and our champion and our high priest. I said only two families. Either you belong to the family of the devil. Jesus said very clearly in John 8, the Pharisees, the unbelieving Jewish people, his own people, he said, you belong to the devil. You are children of the devil. And then there is God's family, headed by Jesus Christ, the last Adam, our head and representative. The truth is we all belong to the family of the devil. We were sinners, slaves to depravity and death and devil. And by God's rich mercy, he gave us great salvation. He brought us out of the domain of the family of the devil into his family. So make sure today that you belong to the family of God. There are great privileges in this family. So we are preaching through the book of Hebrews. And of course, I can deal with this subject in a very thorough manner, but I cannot finish it until I die. So we have to hurry on because we have to preach other scriptures also. Through Jeremiah, God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. When God created man, he was given authority to rule, I said, all creation and dwell in God's presence. Through Satan, this good plan of God did not come to fruition. So the author of Hebrews says, yet at present we do not see everything subject to man. Verse 8 of chapter 2. But the question is, has God changed his mind concerning his eternal purpose to make man 
the ruler of all creation. God has not changed his plan for man. The world to come, we are told in verse 5, is not subjected to angels, and we found out it is subjected to man. Man, Jesus, and in Jesus, it is subjected to all who belong to Jesus. Praise be to God. What Adam failed to achieve, another Adam, the last Adam, even Jesus, has achieved. Not only for himself, but to all whom he represents, meaning all the members of his family. A family the Father has given to him from all eternity. I look at verse 13. I will declare your name to my brothers in the presence of the congregation. I will sing your praise And verse 13, here am I, I and the children God has given me. So we are the people God has given to Jesus Christ to redeem. We are members of the family of Jesus Christ. We see Jesus, verse 9, we see Jesus as a result of his perfect obedience to God's will. We see Jesus crowned with glory and honor and all things made subject to him yes the purpose of God in spite of Adam's sin has not changed human sin can never frustrate God's eternal decree it is his eternal purpose verse 9 Uh, Verse 10, to bring many sons to glory. That's the key. God's plan is to bring many sons to glory. When Jesus Christ obeyed his father, when he died on the cross, not for his sins, but for the sins of those whom the father gave him. When he died on the cross, He opened up the way of eternal life and eternal glory to every one of his family members who are called in this chapter his brothers. Even us who trust in him alone for righteousness and full forgiveness of all our sins. So let us look at a few things. Number one, what is our problem? We seem to have a problem. And what is our problem? We have a serious problem. When Adam, our family head and representative, sinned against God, we have sinned in him. The Bible says all have sinned in him. And all are born sinners and practice sin daily. All children of Adam are slaves to depravity to death and to devil all have sinned and come short to the glory of God we are told there is none absolutely none righteous the author of this letter understands our sin problem 
So turn to chapter 1 verse 3. It says the sun is the radiance of God's glory. And the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins. That's our problem. Filth. Guilt. Sin. That made us filthy. And we needed purification, cleansing, and the text tells us that Jesus Christ provided purification as our high priest. Turn to chapter 2, verse 11. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy. That means what? We are unholy. We needed someone else to make us holy, and that someone else is Jesus Christ, our older brother. And look at verse 17 of chapter 2. For this reason he had to be made like his brothers. See, we are his brothers. In every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. In service to God that he might make atonement for our sins. He have a problem, sir. Problem is sin. And chapter 3 and verse 13 tells you. It says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And chapter 7, verse 27. And it tells, unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. We need a sacrifice for our sins. Chapter 9 of Hebrews and verse 26 and verse 28. And we are told then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world, but now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with the sin by the sacrifice of himself. A sin problem. We need to be purified from it, we need a sacrifice. And then verse 28, we read, So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. That's our problem, sir. And it's amazing that all the educated philosophers and teachers and prognosticators, they simply cannot understand that our problem is sin. And so number two, If this is so, the wrath of God is revealed against us. Our sin due to breaking of God's law causes the holy God to be angry, to be wrathful at us. His just wrath is revealed against all godlessness and wickedness of men. Romans 1.18 Sin makes us all guilty. And we must be punished. And the sin is pervasive. It affects our mind, our reasoning powers, and everything else about us. And so, point number three, the wages of sin is death. Adam was told this in Genesis 2.17 and Genesis 3.19 that he would die because he sinned. Dust thou art, to dust you will return. Which was not God's plan. 
God's plan did not include death for us. And Ezekiel tells us in chapter 18, the soul that sinneth it shall die. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And turn with me to Romans 5 and verse 12. The connection is made between Adam's sin and our death. Romans 5 verse 12, therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin and in this way death came to all men because all sin sin sickness death and judgment let's turn to first corinthians chapter 15 where saint paul again makes this connection between adam's sin and death 15 first corinthians I will read from verse 21 and 22. For since death came through a man, means Adam, our former head of family and representative. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For us in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. There it is, two families. A family in Adam and family in Christ. And family in Adam is now family of the devil. Or turn to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56. The sting of death is sin. Death has sting. And you ask people, are you ready to die? They laugh and smile. They say, yeah, I know how to die. I know it's no problem. He's lying to you. The sting of death is sin. And death is spiritual, physical, and then the second death, which is eternal. Death is eternal separation from the very presence of God. Turn to chapter 9 of Hebrews and verse 27. Just as man is destined to die once, that is speaking about physical death, and after that to face judgment that is second death or the book of Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8 but the cowardly the unbelieving the unbelieving in Jesus Christ unbelieving in the gospel cowardly unbelieving the vile the murderers the sexually immoral those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Wages of sin is death. Number four, we are in deep trouble and we need, use, using biblical language, a kinsman. Redeemer to be able to help us out of our misery, out of our sin and guilt and punishment. A Redeemer, able and willing and ready to help us. And we have such a Redeemer. We have such a brother, a blood relative. In the Old Testament, God has introduced a sacrificial system. 
of substitution. Isn't that wonderful? When you read book of Leviticus, well, you don't like it because things are not modern. It is all alien, a lot of bloodshed. I myself don't like it. I don't like blood. I faint if you show me blood. But it is wonderful when you look at that sacrificial system God graciously given to us. An innocent victim may be sacrificed to God in place of the guilty who deserve the death penalty. We need a relative who is both God and man. Perfect God and perfect man. One person in two natures. There is one God and one mediator. Not several mediators. There is one God and one mediator between God and men. Man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. He's perfect man, he's perfect God, therefore he can mediate between God and man. And he can bring about reconciliation and peace by his work. One person in two natures, we need a second Adam to obey God fully and die in our place and for our sins. We need a Redeemer who will open up a way to glory. A new and living way through his body to glory. We need a Redeemer who will open up a way to glory from our death and our hell. And we discover from this chapter that we belong to the family of God. From all eternity the Father has chosen a bunch of sinners to belong to his family. Turn to chapter 2 of Hebrews and verse 11. Both the one who sanctifies men holy, both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of in the Greek are of one but the meaning is are of the same family or they both have community of nature we all are humans I say we belong to the family of God from all eternity turn with me to the book of Ephesians in chapter 1 and whether you understand or not understand I like it and here we are told verse 3 and 4 praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ for he chose us in him in Jesus Christ for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And we are told in the book of Revelation chapter 13, the Lamb of God slain from the creation of the world. We belong to that family. And now, the writer quotes the book of Psalm, Psalm 22, which is a messianic psalm. And it appears that Jesus Christ was meditating on this psalm on the cross. Beginning with, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
And he goes on and all of a sudden the darkness of the tunnel is gone. God has heard his prayer. Sun is shining. And so in verse 22 the psalmist says, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the presence of the congregation I will sing your praise. That is in the church. I will bring your praise. The church is my brothers. The psalmist is speaking about himself, but ultimately it had to do with Jesus Christ and his brothers. And so, I will declare your name to my brothers in the presence of the congregation. That is, the Greek word is church. I will sing your praises. The idea here is, we are his brothers. We belong to that family. And he has a family obligation to take care of us. From this degradation and death and hell. And then we are told in verse 13. Here am I and the children God has given me of course. Isaiah speaking, Isaiah 8. Speaking about him and the remnant his children. But ultimately it had to do with Jesus Christ. And the remnant that God has given him. Isaiah is saying we will trust in God. We'll keep on trusting in God in spite of all the thunder and cloud and misery and unbelief that is taking place in the land. We will trust in God. Ultimately, he's speaking about Jesus and the children God has given him. Turn to the, uh, to the book of John. Let me read it to you and uh, let me write it on the slate of your mind. That there is something. There is a pactum salutis. There is an eternal covenant in which God has chosen certain people and gave it to his son that he may redeem them in time, in the fullness of time, by the death of the cross. Turn with me to John chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse 37. Take a look at it. And it says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Nobody else. But all that the Father gives to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. I will save them. I will give them eternal life. We are Father's donation to the Son to take care of us. And we have an older brother. He is all interested in taking care of us. He loved the church and gave himself for for her. And now look at verse 39. And this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of all that he has given me. Hallelujah. Donation of the father to the son that he may redeem us. Turn to chapter 10 of John. And verse 29. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. We are given by the father to the son. Turn to chapter 17 of John. And verse 2. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. And verse 6. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. That is election. Out of the world. 
Verse 9. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world. But for those you have given me. For they are yours. Let's praise God. We are are God the fathers. We are given to the son to redeem. And he will redeem. And he has redeemed. Hallelujah. Let's look at verse 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. Notice, in bringing many sons to glory. That's God's purpose and he achieves that purpose in another man, Jesus Christ. And to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Let's turn to chapter 2. Verse 14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. He belonged to our family, therefore he became man. He has to become a man in order to redeem us through death, which is the wages of death. Now look at verse 17. For this reason he had to be made like his brothers. In the Greek, he is obligated to do so. There is an obligation on the part of this brother. Our blood relative from all eternity. To come. To help us out of our misery. And so look at verse 16. Here we are told. For surely it is not angels he helps. There is no plan of redemption for angels. So he didn't become an angel. But Abraham's descendants he helps. The the Greek word is very interesting. He comes and takes, grasps you. He comes and seizes you and grabs you and lifts you out of your trouble and saves you. He's not doing this to angels. He's doing to Abraham's descendants who believe in God as Abraham did. And as I already said, Revelation 13, 8 says, the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. This is what is called pactum salutis, the eternal pact agreement among the persons of the Trinity. So in the pactum salutis of eternity, son agreed to become our redeemer, our Boaz. For he is our blood relative who has the right and responsibility to help us. And he has the capability to help us and he is willing to help us. He is our elder brother who comes to the aid not of angels, but of the descendants of Abraham, as our redeemer, our relative, our older brother. This son transcendent became incarnate so that he can die their death and bring them all to glory, to rule and reign with him eternally. So he identified with us in all things. The immortal became mortal that he may bring life and immortality to us mortals. The son became human. He became what he was not to identify with us and die for us. He wept. He slept. 
he hungered and thirsted, he experienced pain, he was troubled, he was tempted, he obeyed fully, and he died in our place as our substitute for our sins. This substitutionary death of Jesus on the cross, the writer describes in verse 10 as fitting notice this in bringing many sons to glory it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering in other words it was appropriate for God to do this to cause his son to die on the cross the cross was not accidental it was God's wisdom it was based on God's eternal plan there was no other way for God to satisfy his justice and that he loved us sinners there is no other way this was the way of God and it was fitting for God to do so God the Father in other words took initiative to save us so let me tell you so all other ways of salvation is false and delusionary they are unfitting they are human speculations the way of the cross may be foolishness to the Greeks and stumbling block to the Jews but to us who believe it is the power of God unto salvation and so we read in the scriptures God demonstrates his own love for us in this God the Father I mean while we were sinners Christ died for us God presented him Jesus Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood God was reconciling the world in Christ not counting men's sins against them Paul tells us he did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all in our place it is because of God the Father that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom righteousness sanctification and redemption it is God the Father's plan number five our merciful and faithful high priest chapter 2 verse 17 tells you that who made propitiation for our sins as I said before our problem is our sins against a holy God the wages of sin is dead the wrath of God is against us how can we escape this wrath as I said there is a way out a way planned by God the Father himself to remove his own wrath against sin a way planned by God a way that is fitting and what is it another must suffer our wrath our hell our misery our degradation one who is sinless one who is able to die one who is God man that he may die for the sins of the whole world of all members of God's family the son chapter 1 1 through 3 the son the radiance of God's glory the exact representation of his being the son who is creator of all things heir of all things upholder of all things became man entered history through the womb of Mary that's what chapter 2 verse 14 tells you in the Greek that he who was not man entered humanity at a point in time 
meaning the eternal son, took upon himself human nature. The word became flesh. John will say, the word became flesh. The son became human. He became our sinless high priest and victim. Why is it? He was obligated to do so because he belonged to this family from all eternity as our elder brother. So he had an obligation to enter history as human to help us. And we are told he became a faithful high priest. 1 Samuel 2 and verse 35 speaks that God will raise up a faithful high priest. And here he is, a faithful high priest. As a faithful high priest, he was dutiful. He obeyed God and learned obedience by obeying in everything. His suffering proved his perfection. Adam sinned in paradise. Our brother Jesus, our high priest, the last Adam, obeyed perfectly in a fallen world. He was tempted in every way like us, yet did not yield to temptation. The person who knows the full power of temptation is the one who never yields to it. He who yields to temptation does not know the full power of it. Jesus did not yield and he alone experienced the full power of temptation. And so he is able to help us who are being tempted, will be told later on. As Messiah, he was tempted daily by the devil and others. He withstood all temptation victoriously. He faithfully discharged his duty to God and he died for others. Our perfect substitute. But we are told here he is also a merciful high priest. He is faithful to God. And to us, he is reliable, but he is also merciful to miserable sinners like us. So the publican cried out, have mercy upon me, the sinner! And we read, he went home justified. He was shown mercy. He showed mercy to the leper who came to him and said, I'm, I'm a leper. And you are able... To heal me. But I don't know whether you are willing. Why did he say? I am willing. He stopped to show mercy to the blind Bartimaeus. He showed mercy to the Syrophoenician woman. He showed mercy to the thief on the cross. To him he said today you will be with me in paradise. We have a faithful high priest. And what? A merciful high priest. In Jesus Christ. Our older brother. What did he do as our high priest? Read Leviticus chapter 16. That will tell you all about the day of atonement. And the priest, Aaronic priest for his sin, must first bring the blood and sprinkle upon the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. And then he must kill the goat for the people and take blood and he must go inside again and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat to make propitiation to turn the wrath of God away from us 
that he may be propitious toward us and gracious toward us and forgive us all of our sins. And so what did he do? He made atonement for our sins. Verse 17. Not a beast, but Christ the priest. Not for his own sins, but for our sins. Gave himself as perfect victim on the cross. By his death on the cross, by his shed blood, not for his sins, but for our sins, he turned God's wrath away from us. And God is gracious to us. And I already told you, God was the one who planned it. He was not reluctant to forgive us. All our sins have been punished in Jesus. Notice, he might become a merciful and powerful high priest in service to God. That he might make atonement for the sins of the people. All sins of all his people. No sin left. All sins have been forgiven in this propitiatory sacrifice of Jesus Christ. All sins have been punished in Jesus. This high priest now restores us to God. We have peace with God. We have life with God. We have fellowship with God. Our brother Redeemer has restored all his family to God. He came to our hell. And by his death and resurrection, he took us to heaven itself, bringing many sons to glory. Let's praise him. God's eternal purpose, his good plan has been accomplished. We are sons of God. And we are once again sons of glory in Jesus Christ. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become nothing less than the righteousness of God. We are sons of glory, waiting for the fullness of glory that is coming. Know who you really are. You belong to the family of God, sons of glory. Rulers of God's creation. Invested with dignity, honor, and authority. Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings, sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And he also says, we are already justified and what? Glorified. Waiting for the fullness of it when Christ comes again. So brothers, by Christ's death on the cross, you destroyed him, we are told, in verse 14 and 15, we are told he destroyed him who holds the power of death. He broke his power. He annulled his power. He rendered him impotent, the devil. Isn't that amazing? Whom are you dreading and fearing? By his death, Jesus broke the power of the devil. He rendered him incompetent. That's what the devil is, incompetent. And then read it. He set free us, God's people, his brothers, God's children. He set free us who lived in fear of death all our lives. 
That's liberation. This is liberation theology. <laughs> Nothing to do with what went on in South America. Jesus Christ liberated us from the devil and from the fear of death. Death itself, it says, cannot separate us from God. Because we reckon correctly, one died for all, therefore what? All died. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you. That you are our Heavenly Father. And your Son is our older brother. And he is our great high priest. And he took upon himself human nature. And he obeyed fully your will. Actively and passively. So that we can have righteousness and forgiveness of sins. He made propitiation. As high priest. In history on the cross. And dealt with all our sins. Just like the public. And he went home justified. We go home justified. That we belong to your family. Lord we pray. If there is anyone. Who is not belonging. To your family. Help that person to call upon the name of the Lord. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. Will be saved. Save many people, O oh Lord, because your purpose is to bring not one son, not two sons, not three, many sons to glory. Bring many sons to glory. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to part five of the Bible series from the book of Hebrews. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.